This is episode number three of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. Hello and happy holidays. This is Bob Patterson. I'm your host on the Street Photography Magazine podcast. Welcome back. And yes, it is. It's Christmas week here in the Great White North in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, the Cleveland Browns are down for the count, which happens pretty frequently this this time of the year. But it's all good because my family's here. And my son is uh, up from Texas and my daughter her husband here from Washington, D.C., so it's great. We're going to have a nice family Christmas and uh, really looking forward to it. But I do have to say I'm in a little bit of pain. I think uh, probably a few weeks ago in uh, one of the first episodes, I, I shared with you how I got punched in the nose in uh, my karate class. I've been a martial artist for many, many years. Didn't zig when I should have zagged and or whatever happened. I got punched in the face and... Well, turns out that uh, that uh, may have caused me to have a little bit of a neck injury. I had to have an MRI yesterday. I've been in some pretty serious pain, so going to have to work through that. Whatever happens, maybe I'm getting a little too old for getting into the ring and punching it out with guys half my age, but uh, whatever. I love it. But enough about that. Let's talk about photography. Uh, we continue to get people asking if they can submit stories and photos to us, and I say, yes, please do. Uh, I've got one guy who uh, is going to work on a very interesting story of the homeless and their dogs, and uh, so we should see that coming your way probably in the spring sometime. Yeah, so if you have a photo story you've done or if you have a project that you've done or you're in the process of and you want to share that with other photographers, uh, please send it in. You can... Uh, Drop me an email at bob at streetphotographymagazine.com, or you can use the contact form on our website. And we even have a submission form for submitting individual articles. But when it comes to longer stories, of course, there's more things that go with it. So you can just drop a note and tell me about your story, what what you're thinking about, what the subject matter is. And uh, we can just talk about it because, you know, always glad to have people share their work. And it's always good to have other people see your work. I mean, why take all these photographs and have them sit in your computer, right? So for our interview in this episode, uh, I'm bringing back one from the magazine from a few months ago. It's actually my very favorite interview, probably, well, probably for a couple of reasons. One, it's with a photographer who I've been following for many years. And uh, she is a working photojournalist on her local newspaper. Her name is Lisa DeYoung. She's been a working photojournalist for over 20 years, and she's been on the staff of the Cleveland Plain Dealer for about the last eight years. And I've been admiring her work probably since she got there. I don't know about your newspapers, but ours has a wonderful staff of photographers. These people are, it's a very diverse group, and they do a lot of different kind of work. And I've been following all their work for quite a while, and I've learned a lot just by uh, looking at the things that they do on a regular basis. You have to think that, you know, being a photographer on a daily newspaper is a lot of work. I mean, these guys do three, four, five, six stories a day. I mean, it's nothing for somebody to be taking, you know, photographs of, of a news story or an accident scene in the morning, and then they'll have to go do a 
photo shoot in a studio, and then from there they may go do a football game or a baseball game. So they really do it all. It's not like they do just one type of photography. They do almost every type of photography, and everything they do, they have to do it very quickly, and they have to produce every day. And, you know, for us uh, amateurs who just go out and shoot when we want, if we have a bad day, so what? But with them, you know, they use it to pay the bills. So you really have to appreciate the type of work they do. So if you still get a newspaper, I recommend that you start to follow the work of some of the photographers and, and look at the things they do on a regular basis and maybe even get a chance to go meet them because they, they're often very cool people. And that's what I have to say about Lisa. She, uh, she's been one of my favorite photographers for a long time, and now she's one of my favorite people. I mean, I, we just had a really good time during the interview. I mean, she was just, just a cool person to meet. And, uh, you know, I was able to shoot photographs of her, and she even grabbed my camera and took some photographs of me, which was really neat. And uh, so if you have an opportunity to meet any of your local photographers, I encourage you to do it. So enough with me, Gavin. Um, Why don't you just kind of sit back and enjoy and listen to my conversation with plane dealer photographer Lisa DeYoung. And today I am here live and in person with uh, Lisa DeYoung. She is an award-winning photojournalist from the Cleveland Plain Dealer here in my local market. And uh, I'm just going to warn you up front, this is the first one we've ever done li- or done in person. So actually today we're, uh, we're in a beautiful Lakewood Park in Lakewood, Ohio on the shores of Lake Erie. And it's an absolutely perfect day. And so I got to thank Lisa for, for recommending this spot. So anyway, Lisa, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, glad to do it. Uh, as I told Lisa on the phone the other day, you know, when we started the magazine, I, I wanted to start interviewing photojournalists, and she and some of her cohorts at our local paper uh, were on my uh, on my list. So finally I got around to asking her. <laughs> and uh, personally, you know, as somebody who always wants to get better at photography, I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. looking at the work of our photographers mm-hmm. in our local newspaper because they're all so good, and they, they do some really amazing work. So it was, uh, you know, it's great to actually be able to meet one of them in person. And I encourage you to do that as well. If you do have a newspaper, <laughs> start studying their work. These guys work very hard and take a lot of photos. So, Lisa, I, I always like to start just to get a little bit of your background. So if you can just tell us, you know, like, where are you from? How you got into this business? Mm-hmm. And anything that comes to mind, mm-hmm. what brought you here? Well, I uh, I moved all around as a kid. Um, I, th- I think that's sort of what prepared me to do what I do today, sort of uh, always the new kid in school. And so that kind of set me up to be a very uh, observant type of person, sort of not one to walk into a a room and command a room but sort of to sit back and just observe because I I was such a shy kid Um, so I I think that really was great training for me to to be uh, you know sort of a patient observer so you know um, and that I think is uh, I think I'm very lucky because it's sort of what I 
what I was meant to do. Mm -hmm. well, that's yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna follow up on some of that. Well, so how did how did you become a photographer? I mean, did you go to school for it? Did you just learn it on your own and decide that's what it, you you tell me? Mm -hmm. Well, I remember one day telling my mother, say, I, you know, I was in college. I was studying to be a physical therapist and uh, found out that I was really bad at math. So, <laughs> so there was plan B. So, and I remember telling my mother that I'd really like to be a photographer. And she said, well, Lisa, have you ever really taken pictures? I said, no. <laughs> but it's one of those things that you just know that you'd be interested in. And uh, so I, I took one class in college and, and then actually worked on, you know, this college paper. And, and I was off, you know. It was a way for me to do art um, in the real world. As a kid, moving around a lot, um, I was really an expert at disappearing. And I think I... I'm still good at disappearing. So I think when I go into a situation, it's not long before people just forget I'm there. And that's really, you know, as a journalist, that's really the only way you can kind of do your work. You know, I think, I think sometimes people think I'm, you know, ultra quiet, but I, I sort of have to let things happen on their own, you know, so, um, and, and some people are better at that than others, I think, um, but I have to be sort of disengaged to let things kind of naturally happen, so. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, because if you're the life of the party, then things aren't going to happen around you, they're going to happen with you. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and you can't be that. Is That's it? right. I don't want to take self-portraits with me with other people, but... <laughs> so. Selfies with the photographer. Yeah, right, right. So, where'd you go to school? You know, I went to Michigan State University, actually. Michigan State, yeah. MSU. MSU. They had a, a very good um, journalism program there. Um, and uh, a, a lot of people that I came up with are, are have since left the business, but are still are still on the periphery of the business. But uh, but boy, was that a good a good experience for me. So Michigan State, my when my sister went to college, she came home with the MSU game. It was called. <laughs> <laughs> and it, she didn't go there. Oh, really? Okay. But she had the MSU game. It was a drinking game. It's like every time you land on a square, you have to take a, a drink of beer. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> they must have that kind of reputation. So. I'm sure they just rebranded that for every college yeah. around, but she, she had the MSU version. Well, it's funny. We, we do that with our colleagues. Like whenever we see them at a game, a Browns game or something, we see them on the sidelines. We're like, oh, drink. We see Chuck. You know, we, so it's our own drinking game, but <laughs> but you don't really do it, though. No, oh, no, <laughs> you're no, working. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> ah, I see. So, um, so you did that. I mean, did you? So you wound up actually majoring in journalism or photojournalism? I did. I did, and uh, sort of a minor in art history. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I found journalism as a way to actually get a job, which I felt was more of an more art than journalism. So it was a way for me to take pictures. It was a way for me to take pictures um, and, you know, get paid for doing it, actually. So, um, hmm. um, and hopefully I can still do that in the years to come. So. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope so. I, I think uh, the newspapers are, are very important to have. You know, like you said, whether they print them or not. But uh, mm. personally, I think we all need to consume content that's curated in some way. If you're always just chasing down the things you're interested in, you're never going to learn about corrupt county commissioners or the fact that the highway that you take to work is going to be closed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need that. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, a lot of that goes away. A lot of people, I think, become ignorant of what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I feel that uh, newspapers are a public service. I mean, uh, and you're right. I think as more people uh, just go to the internet, they are only looking up things that they themselves are interested in. So it, you need to be exposed to your community. You need to know things about your community, like in neighborhoods that you will never go to. Like you need to—that's the only way you will know those people in that neighborhood, because you'll never go to that neighborhood. So, a newspaper is something that we can all get to know each other. And as that sort of goes away, it—it's troubling. It's troubling, um, and the trajectory of the newspaper business in the last five years has been so stunning to me uh, uh, the disappearance of a community kind of watchdog um, it's it's depressing and it's uh, it's a, a scary uh, I wonder what it's going to be in five years yeah because I, I mean I think about our own community we're, we're here in Cleveland Ohio and the newspaper that Lisa works for Several years ago, broke a story about a county commissioner who was basically like boss hog. I mean, he he ran the, in, the entire Democratic machine, and they just kept on it, and they kept on this guy. And uh, you know, and if it wasn't for the work that you folks did, we'd probably still have this these people running around controlling millions and millions of dollars. For their own benefit, because mm-hmm. it wasn't in anybody anybody's self interest to to expose that. Mm-hmm. Who knew about it? Mm-hmm. And who else is going to do that? Yeah. Who else is going to do that? Now we have less people to do those kinds of stories, and it's it's troubling. All all of a sudden, newspapers have become a business where it never felt like a business before. It felt like a community service yeah so it's uh it's troubling we're hanging on like the titanic it feels like some some days yeah because i think about you know if 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 you're only like creating your own news feed from things you're interested in you know whether it's the kardashians or it's (laughs) cars or whatever 
you're never going to create one that about county government. I mean, how boring is that? That's about as boring as it can as it gets. But these people control a big part of your life and, and lots of money, and so it's in the dark. It's real easy for them to get away with things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the press shines a light. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Shines a light on it. Mm-hmm. What's this? Jimmy Demora. Right. Jimmy okay, Demora. Yeah, we can use his name. He's in. He's in prison. <laughs> right. He's in prison yeah. now. I mean, most of you folks could care less about it, <laughs> but but it's true for any you know a, any community anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. So things are really changing in the in that business, yeah. and it affects photographers, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think about uh, the story about the. I think it was, was it the Chicago Sun Times, mm-hmm. where they let all the photographers go and gave the reporters iPhones. <laughs> Great camera outside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's you know, a, not a great camera for football games. No, I would think. <laughs> not really. <laughs> or war zones, or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that happened right before we had some layoffs at the Plain Dealer. So uh, indeed, we were very nervous. Because photo departments are uh, an expensive department. Um, what was troubling is that they, I think they thought that visual journalists are somehow lesser journalists or uh, that anybody with an iPhone can do just as well. And they found out that it really wasn't the case and how valuable. Uh, photography is to a newspaper report um, so that I think nationwide that was a real uh, real point in time that we're thinking wow can they really do that to a whole department a major metropolitan newspaper and you bet we were nervous I bet I bet but you know you think about it we, you know as Newspapers move more and more, you know, online on the tablet or computer or whatever. You'd think the visual aspect would be even more important just to capture people's attention. Mm-hmm. And a photo that's created by somebody who knows what they're doing is much more compelling than one that's captured by some guy walking down the street with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um some people get lucky, but <laughs> some people. <laughs> so it sounds like basically you've spent most of your career as a photojournalist. So where have you worked? What have you What have you done? I know you've you've been in our market for what, what seven eight years now. What so what led you to come come here? What are what other places have you worked? Well, I got my start. Uh, I did a number of internships, like five internships around the country, uh, which is such a great. You know, uh, I, which a lot of internships don't exist anymore, so it's very difficult for kids to really get thrown into a real newspaper situation, is what they, which is what they do when you have an internship. So I started at small papers, the Muskegon Chronicle mm-hmm. in uh, Muskegon, Michigan, which is just uh, still my favorite paper. Wonderful paper. The photo use was just incredible. Their community involvement was incredible. Uh, I was very lucky. I interned there uh, and then later on got a job there. Uh, and that was right on Lake Michigan. But very, um, uh, lots of photo stories, very in depth community, small town photo stories. 
uh, which mattered. You know, I, even at this paper, you know, I'm not going to be sent to Iraq. I won't be sent to Africa. Uh, I'll be sent 50 miles to the county border, but it, it matters. It matters to your community because that's how we explain ourselves to each other. And so Muskegon was such a great training ground to really look in depth in your local community. Uh, and, and from there, I went to a larger paper, like three times as large to the St. Petersburg Times, mm-hmm. uh, and was there for, for a few years, uh, which was a great, incredible paper. Uh, very wonderful, vivid writers that we could uh, work with. Um, and then after that, after you know spending another hundred degree summer there, I, I moved back to Michigan. Uh, worked at the Flint Journal again, another great local uh, paper. Um, and I'm sort of attracted to uh, cities that that have a hard time. <laughs> that it, its guts are just hanging out <laughs> for, for everyone to see. They have nothing to hide. They are just here. We are, you know. And there are so many stories in your own backyard. And I think that's what I've sort of always been interested in. I'm not interested in you know big events at the at the queue. I'm more interested in you know what happens in basement churches or something, you know. Um, so I'm very attracted to um, sort of Rust Belt cities that are actually beautiful to me. You know, uh, everything was so shiny and sunny in, in Florida. I, it, it sort of threw me off a little bit. I, I like uh, I like cities that are, are struggling. It's it's visually beautiful to me. I don't know. Uh, um, I think a lot. I think it attracts a lot of artists, actually, a lot of visual people. I mean, to see the you know the steel mill mills that mm-hmm. I get excited about. It's it's, it's kind fascinating. Of, it's fascinating, it, and the people that the you know the, the ethnic groups here in Cleveland are so interesting to me. Um, and I'm I'm very lucky, and, and people are just like, "What? You're moving to Cleveland?" It's like, "Well, why not?" It's it's really a fascinating place to me. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I, I, uh, I think it is, too. I am getting tired of the winters, but... <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> Other than are, that, it's great. We are very close to Canada. We are. As a matter of fact, the uh, Canadian wind is blowing against my back as we speak. That's you can right. probably hear the wind and the birds on this recording, but, you know, that's just part of the, the charm of doing it this way. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting you talk about photo stories. You you did one, I don't know, probably a month or so ago, and you you took a bunch of photos of all these uh, close-ups of some of the local architecture. You know, you know, our city has some very interesting old buildings, so you had all these photos of, like, gargoyles, and, you know, guess where these came from? Do you remember doing that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. Yeah, it was kind of fun. I, it was sort of an interactive thing. Yeah. You know, the the paradox of things that we see every day are invisible to us. And uh, so in, in Cleveland, 
just has so I mean so much downtown that we take for granted, including yep. the architecture. Yep. So uh, I don't know how many people passed the test. Uh, <laughs> I tried. I, I got a couple of them. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. More than probably I would have gotten. But uh, <laughs> that is fun. That was fun to do. So what kind of, you know, as a working photojournalist, what kind of things do you work on? I know you've got, there's a number of photographers on the staff. I'm sure you're broken up into different assignments and duties. And what what's your principal job? Yeah, a lot of us at the paper uh, were ready to do the whole spectrum of whatever. Um, there, there's definitely some people who gravitate to certain beats, if you say. Uh, um, the guy, a lot of the guys like to do a lot of the sports and the Browns, and other people like to do uh, longer-term stories, which I, I sort of tend to gravitate to. Um, I... Um, so I'm sort of gravitated to, uh, you know, the longer term stories and, uh, but I, I also like, um, I, I find a respite in doing sort of featurey mm-hmm. type things like, you know, I love to do fashion shoots. I love to do, uh, in studio work. Um, uh, yeah. So I, you know, almost anything, I will take pictures of anything and just absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. So, I know when you, you know, when you work for a paper, you're on deadline, and do you have like a quota too? You're supposed to generate so many photos a day or a week. You know, uh, there's not so much a quota. Uh, I, I think for the writers in this whole online mm-hmm. uh, new world, I think there's becoming more of a, a quota how many posts you do a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're sort of geared toward, you know, what the stories, daily stories are percolating that day. Um, so there's not so much a quota. It's just how the news rolls. And our news coverage is tending to be more about news and in sports so it's mm-hmm. kind of more of the feature type uh long-term stories uh, i would say are are taking a back seat now because of just this feeding this you know internet monster uh which uh i think the 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 scope of that is becoming more more and more defined news sports and news and sports. News and sports. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and about they, it. And sports they, is news. Yeah, and, and right. It's on the in front this town, piece. for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely in this town. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, because I mean, you got to produce, right? So, you know, if you go out on an assignment, I imagine you've got to come back with something. You've got to come back with something good in a pretty pretty short period of time or a defined mm-hmm. period of time. That, that's a lot of pressure. You know, most of us, us amateurs, you know, we go out and we're walking on the street and shooting whatever. If we don't come back with anything, okay, maybe next time. <laughs> but you have to deliver, right? <laughs> right, right. And well, I think if you ask any photographer, that's something they've been used to for years and years. Mm-hmm. And so even if, a, uh, and I think it's great practice to see a situation and know you have to make it work. Uh-huh. And even if you don't feel creative that day, uh-huh. you you gotta. I mean, you have to make it work, and at a certain time. Yeah. So, 
Uh, so I think we have all become very good at uh, this laser focus, if you will, about what in that situation. I mean, we will walk into a room, okay, and you're doing. Your mind is is going a million different directions. You're talking with the person to make them feel comfortable, but you are looking at the light mm-hmm. and you're looking. And usually, I'm saying, "Oh my gosh, this is not going to work." <laughs> <laughs> so, but but then it, it it starts to work, and I think that's I that's part of the problem solving part of it that I, I really quite enjoy. And if you just not force things and just sort of let them happen, it's amazing what if you let magic happen, it will happen. If you don't force things, if you don't, if you just hmm. let them happen organically, um, it, it's. It, it's so much better than if you tell a person, you know, stand a certain way or this, uh, which is the nature of photojournalism, you know, mm-hmm. how things happen naturally. So, God, so how do you, how do you teach yourself to do that? I, I'm sure are there like three bullet points. <laughs> Here's the top top five ways to let things happen. <laughs> right. Well, look for a window. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Window light is best. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just by doing it and doing it and doing it, especially when you don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very indicative of any kind of artist who, you know, every day I paint for four hours, no matter what I feel like mm-hmm. or what, if I'm in the worst mood or, or whatever. I think it's just a, a discipline. I think, um, you know, work is its own cure sort of thing. No, that's a good point. Just that's a very do good... it and do it and do it. I mean, there's no other way around it. You can't read about it. You can't, I mean, unless you you are th- um, working through that particular situation, nobody, you just, nobody can tell you how to do it. Yeah, because I just, I guess what would terrify me is, I, you know, I've, I've got to do some assignment and I go there and the light's just terrible <laughs> you know you got this like in cleveland yeah like in cleveland <laughs> like today I, yeah and it's of course i guess it's like any problem you just learn how to deal with it and okay uh, it's noon and right. <laughs> there's no shade and exactly. here's what we're gonna do <laughs> exactly right um yeah it's um it's definitely definitely a work in progress i feel like i have so much to learn even though i've I've uh, done this for 20 years, which is unbelievable to me. Um, but I, I think I think I sort of started taking pictures. It was sort of, I mean, looking back, sort of a selfish endeavor, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, later on, of course, realizing that, you know, newspapers can sort of change things, which is pretty cool to kind of discover. But um, when I'm taking pictures, it's like, you know, it it's almost like this meditative thing. It's like I can I can be no one for hours and just and completely disappear. I, I don't know what time it is. I don't know. And that's terrific for to be able to do something in life that you do not think about yourself you don't think 
about your bad day. You don't. It, it's not about you. It's it's about the people that mm. you're doing a story on, or or just the the composition of that box. It, it's just it's really stunning how the older I get, the more meditative it really becomes for me. Wow, and you get paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I'm so truly lucky. I really am. Really, really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. If you weren't getting paid, would you still be doing it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, well, we won't put that in there because your boss yeah, right. might hear it. We don't... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. If um, I mean, do you do photography as a hobby as well on your own or is it like you know I, the last thing I want to do is pick up a camera I'd rather just go read a book or walk in the park and well I, I think for me I definitely need some downtime but that's not taking pictures it's just downtime from uh, the newspaper mm-hmm. world I need downtime from that not not for taking pictures because well, you know, as you're even driving, you're like, oh, that's a yeah. great picture, but I'm going 80 miles yeah. an hour. I can't. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? I mean, that's it's like true. constant. It's a curse. You know, right. It's a blessing. It's a curse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what kind of things do you work on personally? Do you have like personal projects, um, travel? You yeah. know, I, not as much as I, not at a level that... I want to be at. I, I think um, working at a newspaper, it's so encompassing. It's overwhelming at times because you're on this constant deadline. Your your hours are kind of funky. Mm-hmm. Um, you you get nervous about. Well, I I get still get nervous about certain shoots, and and so that you're sleep patterns are off because you'll work late one night and early the next day and mm-hmm. you know and it's just this constant it it just it's this moving train that you cannot go backwards you have to keep up on it because you can't you can't really slow down because it's just next day's papers out it just keeps going and going and going so you have to um let things go Mm-hmm. You have to, if you're in a situation, um, it's not working, it, maybe it just doesn't work that day, and you can't feel bad about that. You know, and every every day you're not going to come back with, like, these pictures that are that define you as a photographer. Sometimes you're just documenting, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's okay. Um, so when you're working, say you're yeah. working on an assignment... And you see something else that that might be great in your portfolio. I mean, you ever like turn around and shoot things just for yourself because of, you know you got a few minutes and mm-hmm. and you you just see something that's really cool and you want to capture it. Yeah, you have to make that picture because yeah. you know it will never happen again. And and I, I try to do in every every assignment that I do for the paper. I really try to. Uh, make a picture for myself, mm-hmm. you know. And I say, make a picture, not take a picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I really try. That's why I love to work in. 
I think working in like Los Angeles would be just a nightmare for me because everything <laughs> is on such a big scale. Yeah, you can't get anywhere. <laughs> you can, right? <laughs> um, but the people here are so real, and it's sometimes it's so small town. And and what I love is just the absurdity um, and the mystery of a small town because people are so real here that they. Um, they open themselves up to you. And so so I found here that you can really take these uh, absurd little uh, moments and, uh, um, you know, like a slice of life type of pictures that don't have anything to do with anything. But you saw it, and the composition was right, and the light, and it's just, you know, the, the beauty in everyday life to me is just, it's pretty wonderful and I, I think and I, I think a lot of other photographers would say this too I think we see a lot of things that other people don't see mm-hmm. because they're like on Twitter or they're you know their head is absorbed yeah self-absorbed, or they were talking about themselves on Facebook or, or something <laughs> instead of you know actually just sitting when when was the last time you saw a person just sitting with not a phone not headphones and just sitting and looking, you know, and I really, I really think, uh, you know, slow looking. I don't know how else to put it, but just That's a good term. Actually, you know, looking at things slowly, you know, and that's why I think I really feel lucky what I do because I have to slow down and let things happen while I see the rest of the world running the opposite way with Twitter. And posting and Facebook and Instagram and instant instant where I think for every you know action there's a reaction and I think for me personally I'm noticing that I want to do sort of the opposite just sort of uh, you know explore you know more vintage photography like the old Mm -hmm. tintypes and the old where it's just this whole meditative process to get instead of you know 30 pictures of this or you know 10 (laughs) cell phone pictures of the same thing you know so um so maybe to my detriment uh that i i i personally am sort of my interest lies more in going that way instead of this way that makes sense. It's funny, you, you were talking about older photos. We used to have a lab here in town. Down like office. This is in Cleveland, Ohio, sorry. <laughs> but they, but they, all they did was process black and white, mm-hmm. silver film. I, I, maybe you dealt with them. So I went down there, I had some film processed by them. Mm-hmm. The guy brings out a, a photo. Looked like it was taken yesterday. Mm-hmm. Of, these women sitting around this living room, obviously the turn of the last century. He goes, "This was." Goes, "Can you believe what this looks like?" I go, "Wow, it looks like you just took it." And it was it was a glass negative that somebody gave them wow. from 1900. It was just amazing. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, and it's it's amazing how everything looks so cool back then you know like people stand in front of their butcher shop outside and you're like that looks so cool i think the secret 
because today nothing looks cool because <laughs> you know you don't know how it's going to look historically and I think a lot of the people I work with are very good at um, sort of seeing that and, and still uh, identifying that this um, is is going to I'm not saying this at all well no. but to look cool like later on I mean uh -huh. just for documentary sake and that's part of I think that's part of the problem that I, I fear that if we're not documenting our everyday life you know in Cleveland or wherever it's like well who's who's going to start doing that I mean I know we have cell phones and everything but they're just taking pictures of themselves or the friends or themselves again and you know are we all just going to disappear you know who else is going to write this stuff down you know I mean how do we if you think of a bi biography how do they piece it together letters old photos letters when you know when's the last time you wrote a letter and so how are we going to piece together all these emails that nobody ever saves? And, I mean, are we just disappearing? I don't know. Uh, they're still there, but there's just so many. How can you yeah. find the right one? <laughs> yeah, who's going to go through this? That's why yeah, my wife's reading a book now, and a big part of the book are emails. <laughs> the actual text of emails. It's oh, pretty boy. interesting. I go to read it when she's done with <laughs> oh, it. I gosh. can't remember the name of it. So... Um, Speaking of documentary, so we're, we're going to get some get some advice from you for for folks because that was that was a question I had because people go on vacations. So, by the way, a lot of people who are in our community want to create photo stories. They want to be you know take more of a documentary approach, but maybe don't know how to do it. So, say someone's going on vacation to Paris, you know, of course you're going to run around and take pictures of the Eiffel Tower and you know, whatever. Um, but how how would someone go about maybe really documenting that that story that they could pull out ten years from now and really get a feel for what, what you know? What would they look? What would you suggest they look to do? That's hmm. a big question. I yeah. Know. Uh, well, I I think you definitely have to have a lot of patience. Uh, Every time I shoot something, uh, there there could be if I'm working on a story, there could be weeks, before, you know, or days that I don't get a good picture mm -hmm. at all. You know, in fact, I'm always surprised when I do have a picture that I like, <laughs> and that is storytelling. And um, I, I think the biggest thing is time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest the the time you put into it. Take the time. Take the time, yeah. Slow down. Slow down. Maybe it goes back to your previous point about just slowing down and looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think I think patience, uh, not a lot of people have anymore because it's just our lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but you have to work, you definitely have to work at it. It's like, I don't know how, you know, and the other people I work with can probably back me up on this too. You, like you spend time on something, a, a big chunk of time, and it just kind of never, it, it just never lends itself to, you know, the pictures that you really, were really hoping for. Um, 
and that's another part of this business is that it's it can be very disappointing you know you put a lot of work into something it just doesn't quite get there and and you have to work through that yeah because you can't always come up with the photo of the century right i mean that's only going <laughs> right? to happen once yeah. in a while i don't think that'll ever yeah. happen for me but uh, you know i i don't know sometimes i think you know, I'm like the character actor of like <laughs> you know, oh, really? the newspaper photography yeah. business because, you know, I, I'm not, um, I, I, I'm not gonna, you know, win the Nobel, Nobel Prize. I'm not gonna. Um, Why not go overseas? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna go overseas <laughs> or, or anything. But I, I, just keep at it. Day, you know, day in and day out, and I think a lot of the people I work with can really relate to that too. And it's it's just <laughs> churning away, you know. I and there's nothing uh, work as its own cure. You just have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. You've certainly put in your ten thousand hours, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, in, in terms of your your professional work, what's your favorite? Was it a story or individual photo? Hmm. Well. What are you most proud of? I, so everything moves so quickly. You can't remember yesterday, uh -huh. I tell you. Uh, you know, there, there's a couple stories um, that I was quite attached to. Uh, one in particular uh, was a few years ago. Uh, a, a reporter at the paper. Uh, she was uh, raped on the on the job, actually, and she was the theater critic at the time. And so, you know, many many years after, and nobody nobody knew. Mm -hmm. um, many years after that happened, she decided. It was time for her to find out about this guy. Uh, so, um, so anyway, it's it was sort of a survivor's mm. journey, and mm -hmm. it was just a, a remarkable story. The inherent problem with this particular project was how do you how do you illustrate a story that happened twenty years ago? Um, and as Joanna Connors uh, went on this journey to find out about her, the person who raped her, uh, I followed along. And I wanted the pictures to be sort of ethereal and dreamlike, uh, just like the nightmare she was trying to forget. So I wanted the pictures to have the same thread of style, like this sort of a, a haunting mood of melancholy. So just as some of her memories are faint, other parts of her uh, memories are tack sharp and unforgettable. So I wanted the pictures to sort of have that, that feel. Uh, I don't know if I succeeded, but... Um, oh, I, I think you have. I think... Uh, we're, we're talking, we've got the, whole, the newspaper open right in front of us, so you might hear the pa paper rattling around in the, in, the, uh, uh, in the wind. 
So keep going. Well, it, it was a, a difficult uh, story. Not only uh, it wasn't, you know, following the normal uh, journalistic sort of storytelling because it involved the reporter herself. Um, but it, it was very different, um, and I, I, I'm glad that the newspaper supported us in telling it in a very different way, um, and they had published it in a special section, and um, I, I think it uh, did a lot for the community because uh, um, Joanna did many speaking engagements on this, and uh, people would come out of the woodwork saying, this happened to me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, and I could never talk, I could never talk about it. But this piece helped me to say it out loud hmm. and to uh, not be ashamed and, not, uh, and get the help I needed, especially. Um, so uh, I think this is the crux of what a, a newspaper can do for a community when it invests itself into a long-term project um and i think i think it helped a lot of women in cleveland and men too about uh, being uh, assaulted so i mean this is this is a big project it's like 12 14 pages something like that mm -hmm. do you would you see something like this being done today just because of the scope I think the resources are uh, stretched and limited for that, and I think the tolerance uh, to uh, let reporters have that kind of time to pull off something like this, um, I, I think that window is sort of narrowing. I, I, not that they wouldn't do that before mm -hmm. or, or, or in the future, um, but, you know, a special section with no ads, you know, it, it's, quite, it's quite something, um, and that just that just says how much they were committed to yeah this, absolutely that's this, a lot of yeah a lot of space mm -hmm. a lot of resources i guess maybe if it was about an nfl player they might do it right <laughs> 20 page 20 page that's right <laughs> 20 page uh but i you know i i think writers are really feeling it just as much as uh, photographers are because the writers there are writers who really write and there are there's they're reporters too, but uh, they get much less opportunity to really write, mm -hmm. bury the lead, and let it write itself as a um, because things are uh, what they want is shorter reads uh, because people yep. have less time, um, especially online. Yep. You know, so so I, I really feel for the writers too because they're the whole craft of writing. Which I, I really respect because I can't do it. Mm -hmm. um, that I, I feel for them because that that's going away. Do a lot of writers start like create their own blogs and things so they can do longer form work? Or I know you see a lot. But obviously, they write books and. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that yeah. for sure. Yeah, I don't know that. I I know Joanna is actually turning it into a, a book. Oh really? Yeah, and it, it should be out uh, fairly soon, actually. So she. Um, so she after she wrote this, she just kind of worked on a larger 
you know, a larger book. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm very attached to this because I, I don't know when this will, would happen again. Yeah. Because some of the writers, uh, you know, they're leaving. And so, you know, you have somebody with 30 years experience and they leave and such an institutional knowledge, leaving newspapers. And when you, and they're invested in their community. They don't just parachute in. That's right. And leave because we, these are our neighbors. We see these people again. We have to live with them. So it makes you accountable, makes you very fair in your reporting. And so let's say, you know, some other news organization just parachutes in for the Manda Berry or, or whatever, and then they just leave. Mm-hmm. Drive-by like, reporting, I guess. Right. So um, so I, I, think, I, th- I think the plane dealer has a very good reputation because there are peop- the reporters there have been here for years and years and years. So do you have like a like a dream project, something you're just dying to work on if you have the time and, yeah. and the resources? Or you just take it as it comes? It's top secret right now, but... That's fine. <laughs> it's yeah. top secret, but okay. it's, it's good to have uh, something uh, really personal that you, you almost jinx it if you... If sure. you were not able to pull it off, so, so. yes, I do. But I, if I tell you, I have to kill you. Right, right. <laughs> or at least break your knees and, and take. Yeah, oh, that would hurt. No, don't do that. Don't do that. What about what about your personal work? Is there any pieces of your own you know, personal work that outside outside the job that you're really proud of? That well, I kind of think. It is all personal, you know. So I, I like I said, it was. It's so encompassing. It's just so overwhelming the amount of pictures that we take. Yeah, you know. Um, but I, I think, for me, more personal work is on the horizon mm-hmm. because I think you know, as you grow as an artist, that you you really have to start. Um, you know, I, and most photojournalists will say this, is that, you know, you spend your whole life looking in at other people's lives. And so it's almost like you kind of, you know, put a back seat on your own life, mm-hmm. you know. And so it'd be kind of interesting for me to maybe make that a priority for once and, and start Good idea. Uh, um, Taking on things that I, you know, I, I've always wanted to explore, and uh, but it, it's it's a real time issue. It's a real time issue. Yeah. How many hours do you, do you work in a week? Well, <laughs> in my mind, yeah. hundreds, but, uh, <laughs> Well, that's true. I mean, a lot of people, when you're not there, you're still working. Yeah, right? you're still thinking about sure. things because you do so much problem solving. Yeah, but. absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's become it, it just it's such an ebb and flow. It's become more humane, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, regular work week, but you know, uh, news happens all weekends. Right, yeah, sure. Right, so. 
Do you do you ever have to fight to get something published? You know, you've got something you really feel strongly about that you have to go in and pitch it and get people's mm-hmm. approval and. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have to say that they are really open to a lot of ideas. That's good. Um, yeah, and and they're pretty good about giving you time to work on things. Um, so, if you have time and it's a good idea, they'll they're all ears. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good point. I mean, now that we have less and less writers, um, where a lot of you know the story ideas c- came from them, just because they're on certain beats, mm-hmm. and you know we're on all beats, so mm-hmm. we're just sort of this um, you know spectrum of things. Um, so as there's less and less writers, then there's less and less story ideas kind of coming our way so so we in turn are you know are able to come up with more and more things that you know might be very visual but maybe not a, a long-term documentary type thing so do you end up writing yourself as well you know i, I think they want that a little bit more <laughs> sure but, they want yeah, you to do everything yeah i need to grow another arm but uh you know i i didn't spend the last 20 years trying to be a writer either uh-huh. so it's not i mean it's painful for me to do i can i can sort of do it um but you know there's so many great writers you know who are have been doing it for a very long time so. yeah it's, it's like anything else it doesn't come easy yeah it doesn't. we had a big story break here in our market about a year and a half ago that a lot of people probably heard about and that's the amanda berry story where, you know, it's, uh, this is, you know, for everybody's benefit, there are three women who were held captive by this guy for, what, 11 years or something like that. Did, did you do any work on that? You talk about absurd. There are a lot of absurd things, I think, that kind of revolved around it. The, the guy who helped free them, who oh, yeah. <laughs> was just a character, absolute character. Right, right. You know, I don't think I, that first night when it happened, yeah. I, I don't think, I, I I think I was out of town, I, I think. So I wasn't initially on there, but it was such an ongoing story that all of yeah. us sort of pitched in. And, um, you know, I, and after this Sowell murders you know yeah, I, you right know, I have that, friends yeah. all over the country you know calling what's wrong with cleveland yeah it's pretty much <laughs> yeah. but you know and people from cnn were here for weeks at a time sure. I, I, I almost grabbed my camera and ran down there myself that night i go well, this is crazy i've got to get some of this but yeah i didn't do it <laughs> yeah cleveland is a very newsy town i mean there is it's just very busy very very busy so, Lisa, I really appreciate you being here today. It was uh, very interesting, and uh, I learned a lot. I'm sure everybody else did. Your, your photos are fabulous. And a uh, couple questions before you go. Who's, uh, I don't know, who's your biggest influence? You know, I think it, uh, for me, I, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but I think as an artist, you really need an inspiration, a, a real person inspiration. Mm-hmm. The person sitting next to you, or, you know, real life people that you can talk about ongoing uh-huh. uh, concerns about your own growth as an artist. Um, and I think it's really important to find somebody in your everyday life that you can 
talk about that with, talk shop with, who who gets you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about going to a workshop and then you have people that you've never met before, you mm-hmm. know, critique your work. That That is never really done anything for me mm-hmm. if some national geographic photographer no offense they're wonderful mm-hmm. but they don't know me and they you know it, it doesn't it, it doesn't do any uh good for me to hear hear that from somebody i don't know mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense yeah and so i i think it's really important like a for me to find somebody that is trying to have a creative life, but uh, is challenged by all the other daily challenges in life, and how how they get through that, but still are able to be creative. And what does that person do to be creative on a daily basis and on long term basis? And how do you do that? You know, where where are your examples in your everyday life? So I think um, I think it's important to seek that out. And if you don't have somebody like that, it's just one person. It doesn't need to be a group of people mm-hmm. that you can sit down and and just say, "Oh my God, I don't think I can ever make another good picture ever again." Do you ever feel like that? Yes, you know. Of and, course. Yeah. yeah, and I have that kind of you know. How do you get through it? Or what do you you know? And so that person for me is, um, you know, Andrea Levy, and she's an illustrator who we used to sit next to each other for years before mm-hmm. we moved to the new building. And she's been um, so, such a great mentor to me. I mean, she's, you know, she's more of an art, like an illustrator mm-hmm. type, uh, but a, a photo illustrator as well. But, you know, seeing her um, being at the top of her game through, you know, her trials of life and um and she still does it it's like how do you do that i mean and it's just you know she has such grit and um um always fresh with ideas and it's just stunning to see something you know somebody a real person that lives in cleveland who does that and so you know i'm really grateful that we can have conversation and another photographer at the plane dealer lena shea mm-hmm. who she's I've uh, been a photographer 30 years and um, still at it. And she's terrific. I mean, she's such a community photographer and and just such like a, a great example of how do you do this long term? Like, how do you still love it? And how do you deal with, um, you know, the insecurities of newspaper <laughs> life and all that everything so, yeah yeah, yeah so. life's messy no matter what it is right? yeah exactly but hmm. um so i'm lucky yeah. I, i'm really lucky it makes cleveland really uh, pretty special so do you fulfill that role for somebody else as, as a sounding board or maybe you do and they only you don't even know it you know i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> i really don't hopefully it's a, a little give and take yeah that's you true know, just that's a, true. our Much own tiny support group but i i think it's really important because you know there are some days if you don't have that person to call or something like uh, i mean it's you know if you're a creative person it's you know i i think a lot of creative people tend to go melancholy uh-huh. you know and 
I think it's just helpful to have a, a real person, not a person in a book. You know, I think uh, Walker Evans is like a brilliant person, but it's not it's not the same as talking to a person and and having that other person knowing, you know, seeing your growth, or, you know, from a, a home from a years of growth, like a spectrum, mm-hmm. you know. So I just think it's. That's that's really helpful, especially for women. I think in this business, where usually no matter what staff you're on, you're you're probably about one or two or maybe three women on that staff. So usually you automatically kind of form, you know, this inherent uh, support group, yeah. you know, because it's just very different uh, for women to do it long term, you know. So um, so I'm pretty lucky. Very, very good friends here. Wow. It's great advice. Great advice. So, how can people find you? I mean, I'm not asking for your address or anything. (laughs) I'm supposed to be be invisible. You're invisible, uh, that's right. And I'm supposed to disappear, (laughs) which is just fine with me. um, Well, uh, a lot of... Uh, our work is on cleveland.com mm-hmm. and I think that's probably the best way to find um, you know so, some of the work that I've done at the plane dealer so, yeah. that's right so I think you've got a profile on there we can link to that mm-hmm. it should be there yeah. mm-hmm. and when you do launch your own website let me know oh thank you, you change, we'll change your profile on our site and put it in there okay well that's I will take you up on that very good All right. Well, thanks again for being here. Okay. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Anytime.